All right. So as the basket keeps coming, those of you not Googling, because those that Google will find out the answer, uh, who do you think said that? Where did cleanliness is next to God on this? Where did that come from? Anybody In this section, did you all collaborate? Did you all come up with a source of that? I heard granddad. Grand- grandmother. Okay. Okay, Michael Landon. Thank you, Dora. That's good. All right, in the center section, what did? We're going Johnson and Johnson to get more money. Johnson and Johnson. That's a. And I'm going with mothers who wanted help cleaning. Okay. The guilt thing. All right. Okay. Book of Deuteronomy. Book of Deuteronomy. Okay. The lost book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> Those on the back row, not Googling. I see a couple of you Googling. Any, any suggestions back there? What do you think over here? What? Just, Justin, it's good to see you. So this morning we're jumping back into Mark. We abandoned Mark for a while and did our teaching series on Vineyard Values. And so now we're back into Mark chapter 7. And we're kind of entering into the story. We've already talked kind of halfway through this part of the story. And so now we're going to look at the other part of the story. So wash your hands. Is cleanliness next to godliness? Well, who said this? Surprise! Cleanliness is a sign of spiritual purity or goodness. The phrase was first recorded in a sermon by John Wesley. Isn't that amazing? In 1778. And that phrase has been with us. And many people would say like, George, what's in the Bible somewhere? Like, it's got to be in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy, Leviticus, somewhere. It's got to be tucked in there somewhere. Well, the idea of purity is found in the Old Testament. So Levitical purity, purity is a theme of the book of Leviticus. The world, according to Leviticus, is divided between those things that are holy and those things that are common. The holy are dedicated to God, and then common things are divided into additional categories, clean or pure, synonymous terms, and unclean. Impure. What is clean can become holy, but the unclean and the holy are to be kept separate. Mixing these brings danger. So the clean is tolerated, the unclean is prohibited. Further, unclean is contagious. Leviticus helps to seeks to help people avoid the unclean because it disqualifies them from temple worship. And the explosive mixing of the holy and the unclean must be avoided. Justin, could you come a little closer? Because it's so good to see you. So let's say Justin is holy. He looks holy, right? And I'm 
unclean. So the way it worked in the Old Testament, if I came toward Justin and I, mm-hmm. and I touched him, the idea was my uncleanness would travel this way, not the other way around. His holiness didn't cleanse me. My uncleanness defiled him. Just wanted you to picture that. Thank you. <laughs> now, everything that started in the Torah, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. The, the years before Jesus, the rabbis got really busy. And they got busy interpreting the Torah. So they created what was called Midrash in the Talmud, which is the interpretation of the laws. So they expanded out of Leviticus and Deuteronomy into the, the interpretation and the application of the law. So when you come into the New Testament, you're really encountering rabbinic study, what the rabbis said about the Old Testament. The Palestinian ideal of the sanctifying of the everyday is the impulse behind the creation of the ritual prescriptions which, on the basis of the Old Testament laws of purity, affect the total life of the Jew. So when Jesus came along, the Jews living in Palestine were very, very, very caught up in ritual cleanliness. Uncleanness is something that clings to the unclean person or the thing, and it can be transferred to others. Transmission of uncleanness is by, is by touch. The degree of uncleanliness means exclusion from the corresponding consecrated thing. And then just to throw this in there because it's part of the story in Mark, the Gentile is unclean. So when the Roman army shows up in Palestine, you have it being invaded by unclean people. And so the Jews got like even more serious about we've got to keep our distance from these Gentile invaders. To restore Levitical cleanness, it is necessary to cleanse by water. And the most common act of cultic cleansing is the washing of the hands. So in Mark, we already looked at this, but I want to remind you, verse verse 1 of chapter 7, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who'd come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands. That is, without washing them. It's interesting, some of the disciples. Don't you wonder who, the, who, who, who were the guys not washing their hands? So you had some of the disciples that were practicing Jewish ritualistic washing of their hands before they ate. They had others that were not. That's just interesting. Then, then Mark puts a parenthetical statement. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. They do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. There are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups and pots and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Now, Jesus answers that question, and he does it specifically in really kind of two ways. We've already talked about one. I just want to remind you. 
You know, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders? The short answer is because it's not the word of God. The tradition of the elders is not the command of God. The tradition of the elders is not what God said. The tradition of the elders is what you've interpreted what God said. And now you've made a tradition. So now we're obeying tradition. We're not obeying law. We're obeying man. We're not obeying God. It's that simple. So that the law, the Levitical law, the law in Deuteronomy, it never mentions, it never commands the washing of hands. Hand washing comes from an interpretation of a rabbi and then applications of that. So Jesus said, you abandon the commandment of God and you hold to human tradition. That's more serious <laughs> than not washing your hands before you eat. And then today, he takes us a little bit deeper. Your ritual pursuit of purity is inadequate because it's only concerned with externalities. There is nothing, Jesus says. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out of a person are what defile. So the full statement of that is Mark 7, verse 14 to 23. Jesus called the crowd again and he said to them, Listen, like really listen. Listen to me and understand. One, one translation says, listen and get this straight. There is absolutely nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. When he left the crowd, he entered the house. His disciples asked him about the parable. Where's the parable? Is that a parabolic statement? And Jesus said, do you also fail to understand? And they would say, yeah, we didn't get it. Do you not see that whatever goes into the person from outside cannot befile since it enters not the heart, but the stomach. And it goes out into the sewer. The Bible is an earthy book. I mean, Jesus, I mean, literally says into the latrine, into the potty. You're going to eat something, goes to the stomach and you expel it. And then Mark puts in one of these very interesting parenthetical notes. Thus, Jesus declared all foods clean. We'll come back to that. And then Jesus continued, it's not what comes out of a person It is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it's from within, from the heart, the evil intentions that come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, not from without. And those are the things that defile a person. 
Earlier in this passage, Jesus quoted Isaiah. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. So I know that within the context of this, Jesus is talking about the religious of his day who were so caught up in ritualistic purification that the external of the body would be clean and they totally missed the condition of the heart. It would be one of the reasons why the religious in Jesus' day didn't get him. They didn't understand him. They could not accept. If you just think about, hey, Jesus, why do your disciples not follow the traditions of the elders in washing their hands because they're now unclean? How could you be the Messiah? How could you represent God if you're with unclean disciples? Because when you're with unclean disciples, you now are unclean. So they're declaring Jesus to be unclean. And if you're unclean, you can't come into our tabernacle. You sure can't go down to the temple. You're unclean. So there's judging him based upon what others are doing in coming in contact with him. That comes from the heart, the condition of their heart. Their heart is far from me. With their lips, they say all the right things. With a lot of their actions, they do all the right things, but their heart is far from me. And they teach human precepts rather than God's word. You know, before I wander too far from, you know, it was them. I got to ask, what about us? What about the church in general? When it comes to the topic of purity. Is our message to the world that what is most important is the condition of our heart. is the thing that's within and comes out. Or is it a similar message? That you're holy because of the externals of your life. Purity in the New Testament community consists in full an unreserved self-offering to God, which renews the heart and rules out any acceptance of what is against God. To you and me as followers of Jesus, hopefully what is most important to us is that we recognize who we are from the inside out. Amber said it earlier. This kingdom that comes, this rule of God changes us from the inside out. We are to be a community of people who fully and unreservedly self-offer, Oh God, I lay myself before you. Who understands the heart, only you do, oh God. We are a people who recognize our heart has to be renewed again and again and again and again. 
so that it weeds out what is within. And it weeds out the things that we can be deceived in. We're vulnerable to deception. And we can quickly accept things that are happening in our own lives or in the lives of others and not recognize these are not acceptable to God. You look at that list. I mean, yeah, we would all say, yeah. Yeah, sexual immorality, sure. No, yeah, we you don't definitely, yeah. Theft, yeah, yeah, murder, yeah, adultery, yeah. Greed. How sensitive are we to greed? I mean, I feel like we're pounded with greed. I I think that our nation is is, is in a bad season of being really greedy. And I think it's all around us. Am I sensitive to that? Or am I being sucked into that because I'm not laying myself out before God and saying, oh God, what's in my heart? Avarice is pride. Again, I've just, I think our culture's in this place of we just seem to be making statements in general about who we are as a people in this nation, and they, they come across so proudful. Deceit, envy, slander, pride, folly. I mean, there's, there's biggies here that we'd all say, oh, yeah, we, yeah, man, yeah, we run away from those. But there's a lot of other little things that maybe not. And they're all things that come from within. And if we don't recognize them as being unacceptable to God, then we can easily follow into patterns and think we're okay when we're not. The only, again, the only way... That we can be the people of God and maintain the purity that he wants is this full and unreserved self-offering to God. I've got to offer myself as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to God again and again and again. And I have to ask, I have to invite him, Holy Spirit, look, in, look within me. Show me what's within me because I, I can't even see it. See, Jesus, I mean, I just, I think the thing I got stuck in, listen, listen and get this straight. The religious, I mean, as the, the heritage that, that, that the Pharisee had, that the religious scribe had, the, the, I mean, the rich history, I mean, these people, rep, these are the people that have the longest history with God. And these, these people are diligent. I mean, they study their Bible. They know their Bible. They've got it memorized. They carry it around on their head. But they're not getting this straight. They're not understanding this. Then the disciples, they've been hanging around Jesus now, maybe for about a year. They don't get it. Either. They're brought up in this Jewish ritualistic world. They don't get it either. And I wish I could stop there. I wish I could oh, that, that was their problem back then. But here in the 21st century, I think those that are following Jesus continue 
to not really listen to Jesus and we just are not getting it straight. Because we still prohibit certain drinks. You shouldn't be drinking that. Now, I understand we shouldn't be drinking too much of that. I get that. Yeah, drunkenness is definitely, we don't want to go there. There's not permission to be drunk, but there's not a prohibition about drink in the New Testament. What about foods? We still have prohibitions about certain foods. When I was in Chile, they, they don't have a prohibition about blood sausage. There it was. Woo. It didn't, didn't look very inviting to me. So, you know, it wasn't about a dietary law. It was just like, that doesn't look very good. I'll go with the beef. You can have that, whatever that is. What about, I mean, there's still these prohibitions about dance. I'm really glad that I'm part of the community that doesn't have that. There is a freedom. You had this, I saw that twitch. You know? <laughs> just got to dance. But again, if you ask the, the, just the ordinary Joe out there around, the, what do Christians do? They're going to give you a list of what they don't do, not what they do. And on that list is going to include, well, y'all don't drink. Y'all don't dance. I mean, that, that's still with us. Sorry. We still prohibit going certain places. If you go there, you're going to get it. Again, that's going back to this Old Testament concept that grace does not overcome sin. New Testament teaches grace overcomes sin. Darkness is illuminated by light. And sadly, there are even prohibitions about contact with certain people. I mean, I wish I could say all of that was back there, but it's still with us. So that I'm still stuck. I'm stuck. And you can help me. We can have conversation. You can email me. You can call me. You can text me. We can go have coffee. Why is this so difficult for us to get straight? Mark is trying to help us get in step with Jesus. And that's why he put this little parenthetical statement in the midst of this. He's trying to help us realize that purity to God is important. He's trying to help us realize that that purity will not be found in the rituals of a Jew or of a, of a Christian. That purity is not about the externals of our life. It's about what's on the interior and what comes out of us. And it's about throwing ourselves before the throne of God and saying, Oh God, you and only you must examine me because my heart is deceitful. And he sets, he's, what, what Mark is doing is setting us up for where Jesus is going.
Because it was a big, it was a, the, the divide between the Jew and the Gentile was so huge. And in some ways it's still with us. That what, what Mark is saying is, when Jesus says all food is declared clean, it's not just a dietary statement. He's declaring that contact with Gentile people will not defile you. Those of you that are seeking to be holy as God is holy, when you step out of this land of Israel into the Gentile world with the good news of the kingdom of God, you will not be defiled. You won't have to come home and go through ritualistic cleansing to get clean again. You see, where Jesus is going, Mark seven twenty four. From there he set out and he went away to the region of Tyre. He has stepped out of Israel. And he's he's stepped into Phoenicia. He's stepped into Lebanon. Verse 26, there was a woman who was a Gentile of Syro-Phoenician origin. So she's a combination of a Syrian and a Phoenician, a Gentile, a Greek. Verse 31, when he returned from the, the region of Tyre, he went to Sidon, again, in southern Lebanon, Gentiles, into the region of the Decapolis, from Damascus to Philadelphia, on the other side of the river, the Gentile area. You see, this gospel of the kingdom that was first announced by Jesus, most definitely is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew First, but not just to the Jew. Also to the Gentile world. I don't know if we realize that the global mission of God didn't start with Paul. The global mission of God started with Jesus. Jesus brought the good news both to the Jew and to the Gentile. And he did it by saying, the Old Testament has served its purpose. The Old Testament has brought us to this place. The Old Testament has been the tutor to bring us to this moment where God steps into humanity. The Old Testament is old. I'm bringing the new. The Old Testament is a foundation It's our history. It's great to read. It's going to show you a lot about God. But the stipulations now have to be renewed. And we are now living in a new covenant. And that new covenant is a message for both the Jew and the Gentile. And that that covenant is about purity. The purity that's not just on the outside. And not just in sacred places. But it's a purity that comes from within. Because God's building a new people from the inside out. So this morning, I want to invite you to shed the old. I believe we all get sucked into it. So would you like to stand with me? I mean, do we all appreciate that there is a Holy Spirit... And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction. When we're going the wrong way, he says, stop. That's not the way to go. 
Do we all appreciate that? Okay, I'm going to invite him. I think this is a morning for, for him to convict us in our ideas and our practices about purity with the prohibitions that we kind of lay upon one another and upon people outside of the, the community of the church which go back to the old and are not expressions of the new. And I... I mean, it's not my job. I mean, I could tell you what my convictions are, but I can't bring change to your heart. But he can. And I would really love for him to change us from the inside out so that we are a pure and a holy people, but not caught up in the externals. But what's inside? So Holy Spirit, please come. I ask you to bring to memory the ways that we have, we've been deceived to fall into the old, where we put prohibitions on people about drink, upon dance, about place. You know, even John Wesley, as much as he saw of the power of God and the movement of God, cleanliness is not next to godliness. Washing our hands, it's good hygiene. But it has nothing to do with our sanctification. So Holy Spirit, would you bring freedom? (laughs) Freedom for us to focus upon what you were teaching us and to let go of what we've been taught. To be able to walk in a newness of life. A joy of life. We want to be holy as you are holy. We want to be pure as you are pure. But we want to reach that holiness and that purity in the way that you're inviting us. Which is not through prohibitions. It's through you changing us from the inside out. Lord, help us to be a people who go out into this world with a message of invitation rather than a message of condemnation. Send us out into this world with with a, a humble spirit of God rescued me. And I have a message of invitation. God wants to rescue you. And it's not based upon what a person is doing or not doing. It's based upon a person that God believes is redeemable. Lord, I invite you to judge us. Only you, only you understand our heart. Look into our heart. Weed out the rebellion that resides in our heart. Forgive us, Lord.
Fill us with your presence to follow you, to stay in step with you, to live life in the way that you're inviting us for your sake and for your kingdom. In your name, amen.